Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Jake. Uh, my family and I have been coming to GCC for about four years now um, and just really honored to call GCC our home. Um, I also have the privilege of getting to work uh, with a missions organization at the U of O campus. So you might see some college students around and most likely they are associated with me. Um, and so most of the time I'm proud of that. Just kidding, boys. I love you. Um, but anyway, I'm excited to uh, get to share with you this morning about something I'm just really passionate about. And it's actually what I do for a living. So hopefully uh, I'll know what I'm talking about here um, But we're taking uh, a few weeks to go through uh, a series on our core values as a church. So uh, last week, uh, you heard Rick uh, speak on whether you were here or got to listen to it online uh, afterwards um, about our core message. What is the message uh, that we believe? And it's the gospel message. You heard him share that. We're created to have a relationship with God, um, but because of sin, um, which is choosing to live apart from God, it breaks that relationship, leaving us spiritually dead inside and living separated from God. But God acts on our behalf um, and sends Jesus the ultimate um, pursuit of relationship. Jesus lives a perfect, sinless life in relationship with God and pays the penalty for our sin on the cross. Our Our life in exchange for his life. Jesus was raised from the dead three days later, uh, proving his power over death and defeating sin. And as God draws people to himself through this truth, he is renewing people's hearts and will one day renew the world or reign over creation in perfect relationship once again. Last week, there was much more detail in that, but that is our message. That, that is what, if I could sum it up in a paragraph, which is what I did, that is our message and our chorus, like our central value as a church is we believe in this message, this core message. And so uh, that is the gospel. So you'll hear me use the word uh, the gospel a lot. It is that message right there laid out. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about and what I get to talk about is what do we do with this message? What are we supposed to do with this uh, beautiful message that we receive? And if it is a message that will surely transform you, if it is true, if it's real, it will transform your life. It'll change you. It'll make you into a new creation, into a new person. And many of us have been radically transformed by that gospel. And so what do we do with it? Well, I believe the Bible says we're, we're meant to share that message. We, we are not meant to keep that to ourselves. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And one of our core values as a church is mission. We're going to use this word mission, which is a fancy way of just saying we want to share this message with other people, with those who haven't heard it. And so that's our mission as followers of Jesus. So we're going to look at a passage together. Uh, if you've gotten the emails you, you saw it sent out, it was up uh, behind me. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I just want to acknowledge, too, that as we go through these core values of a church, like if, if you're here and you would not call yourself a Christian and you're exploring Christianity, I just want to acknowledge it, it might be a little bit weird because we're talking about things that are true Uh, of us as a church. But I do hope uh, that through it, you are encouraged and get to know more of what the Bible says and what uh, I would say is fundamental to the Christian faith. So hopefully it it is still um, useful, beneficial, and and, and encouraging for you. So 
Um, as you guys could turn, we're going to go through uh, the passage of Romans 10, 9 through 17. So Romans 10, 9 through 17. As you're turning there, I'd love to just pray for us as we start. Father, I confess I'm feeling a little nervous, Lord, and so I pray that you would, would give my heart peace. Uh, Lord, would you also uh, meet everybody in this room and, and, and people at home um, and, and give our hearts deep, deep peace throughout uh, the busyness of the weeks. Some of us have had great weeks. Some of us have had awful weeks. And so I just pray that in this moment you would quiet, quiet our souls quiet our hearts uh, to hear from you and hear what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak through me. Um, I do pray, um, as a friend taught me, that if there's anything that I say that is not of you, that it would go in one ear and out the other. But if there is anything, Lord, that you want to speak to people, I pray that it would be a rock in people's shoe that they, they think about all week long, knowing, Lord, that this is what you want to say to them. And at the end of this, Lord, I pray that we take one step closer to you, because that's what it's about. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and just read the passage all the way through, and then we'll, we'll go back and uh, talk about it. Does that sound good to you guys? Cool. Um, so, uh, starting in verse 9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So uh, that's our passage today. Um, I want to just give a quick background. I feel like we could talk about the book of Romans a lot um, but Paul essentially is the, he's the author, um, and he is writing uh, to Christians in Rome specifically to try to unite Jewish and Gentile believers. So that's one of the purposes of his letters. He's, he's trying to unite them and bring them together. And so if you look just above our passage, uh, starting in verse 9, if you look at uh, verses 5 through 8, Paul is laying out the realities of this gospel message. So he uses the word faith a lot and, and talks about uh, the Old Testament and Moses. Um, I'm just going to summarize it for you. It's the gospel message is not something that is gained by works. You can't bring, he says, like, you can't bring Jesus down from heaven and you can't, like, raise him up from the grave. You cannot do that. Only God can do that. And so he's talking about the power of the gospel message lies in God and God alone, not your works or your ability to keep the gospel going, uh, to, to save people, to save yourself. And he says that, that belongs to God and God alone. And so it kind of takes this Old Testament faith that is based on uh, upholding the law, and that's what the faith is, and it upgrades it into a faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. So Jesus says, I didn't, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And so Jesus kind of upgrades and says, if you have faith in me, that 
is what saves you. That is what brings you into a relationship with me. It's a deep trust in Jesus and his saving work in his life, death, and resurrection. That is where faith comes from and, and where our relationship with God comes from, which is why, I've just given you a little backstory, which is why in verse 9, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. So it's sometimes important to know what, what the Bible isn't saying. It's not saying it's Jesus plus something, right? It's not saying, hey, if you confess this, and you go to church every Sunday or something like that. It's not Jesus plus something. It doesn't say you have to live a perfect life, uphold a standard of good life or works or anything like that. It's believing in your heart the truth about Jesus and confessing it with your mouth, which is an outward expression of an inward transformation. Why am I saying this? Why, why is this important? If our mission is to take the message to others, we have to be sure that the message we're communicating is the right one, and it's the accurate one. We're not telling people to clean up their lives so that they can come to Jesus. We're inviting them to believe in their hearts and confess with their mouth the message of Jesus. And so it's important to start there is knowing that the message that you're communicating, whether it's with your life or with your words, is the gospel you're communicating one of trying to earn your salvation and keep it up with works, or is it based on your belief in your relationship with God? Which gospel will we want to communicate? And we want to communicate the right one, that it's based on faith and faith alone, as Paul says. So verses 10 through 3, he kind of he kind of shifts to uh, the fact that this message is for everyone. Um, so in, in, in verses, or sorry, in, I don't know why my notes say this. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> verses 11 and 13, uh, if we look here, sorry, I'm just going to read this uh, so I can remind myself. For the heart of, um, sorry, eh, for with the heart one will be saved. Um, oh, sorry, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says the same thing twice in a row. Why is he saying everyone who will call on the Lord will be saved? Well, he's quoting Joel chapter 2, um, if you want to look there later, um, where the prophet is explaining that one day God will pour out his spirits through Jesus uh, on all people, and everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And so I think Paul is saying this two separate times to emphasize a point. And that point is the word call here in its original language, if you trace it back. Um, it actually uh, means to be named after something or to be surnamed, which is pretty cool. So what's happening even deeper than salvation uh, is an acceptance of all people into God's family. And so their names are literally changed in heaven and being changed to be identified and associated with God, which is pretty cool. So that's what he means by those who are calling out his name. They're associating themselves, entering, entering in to God's family. Uh, so you probably, maybe some of you have seen my daughter. She is like the blonde, blue-eyed, tiny baby who yells at everyone who walks in the door. Um, her name is Thea. And so when Thea was born... We gave her a name. She, she was surnamed. She was like named after something. She was associated with our family. 
um, with Sarah, you know, uh, with, with her last name, myself, and then her grandmother. Her name is Thea Gray Clausen, and Gray is her grandmother's middle name. Thea didn't do anything to deserve that, did she? Like, she literally just came into the world. She, she didn't do anything. She didn't earn anything. But now she's associated with our family, and that will never change. She, she could run miles away. She could go as far away as she wants. She will always be associated with our family. And that's what uh, Paul's talking about here is, is those who are calling on his name, who accept this message, are brought into a relationship with God and into his family. And this is important because as Paul lays it out, um, even in verse 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. This family door has been opened wide for everyone. And that's important because throughout history, we have seen God work through the family of Israel. That has been his chosen people. But through Jesus, through his death on the cross, he, he swings this door wide open and saying that Jesus is Lord of all people that call on him. And, and so that is an important thing as we're talking about uh, the message and, and God's family is growing bigger and bigger and bigger and opening up the door. So even in Genesis 22, some of you have heard uh, of, of Abraham. And in, in Genesis 22, he gives him this promise. He says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So this is fulfilled by Christ and the gospel message being available to all tribes, tongues, and nations. So you even see this fulfillment of God's family growing exponentially. So what does this mean when, in terms of yeah, sharing the gospel, being on mission? It means that the gospel message is available to anyone it's open to all people, anytime, anywhere. And that's important as we seek to try to share this with other people. It's not for a specific person. It's not for a specific person with a certain lifestyle, family background, anything like that. It is for all people. And that's what this message is for. The door to the heart of God has been swung wide open. And that's great news, right? So that's where we start. This is great news, but there's a small glitch and Paul points it out um, in his final few verses, in verses 14 through 17. And this is where we're going to camp out for a little bit. As many of you know, as I shared before, I get the opportunity to work with crew, and this is what I get to talk about all day. So <laughs> it's actually really fun for me, and I'm, and I'm passionate about it, is, is what is this glitch of this good news? What, what happens with that? So Paul asks a series of rhetorical questions, uh, getting at the heart in his def- in his typical Paul fashion, is that people can even come to accept, how do they even come to accept and believe in this message? And the reality that Paul is painting is that even though the gospel message is available to everyone, everywhere, at all times, the glitch is that people have to hear this message. They have to actually hear it before they can believe in it. And so if you're a Christian and you're sitting in this room, there was once a time in your life someone laid out the gospel message for you. Whether it was maybe at church, maybe it was a friend or a parent, someone laid out the gospel message so you heard it and not just heard it, but understood it. And so that you could respond to it. And so you all and most people in this room have, have done that. But the whole point Paul is making is that the gospel message is meant to be shared among people. So he's saying at one point... You have heard this message. That is how you have chosen to believe in it. 
could God make it so that everyone has a vision in Christ, like about Christ and we all just like come to faith like that? Absolutely. He totally could do that. And if you talk to some people, he actually does do that um, in, in, many, in many ways. But generally, God chooses to use broken people to share his message with other people and bring this message to others. And so one thing to note is this word here. I like words, so if you haven't noticed, uh, and it means to understand something and consider it. So we're not talking about, I'm, I'm going to talk to you in a, a conversation, and I'm going to share the gospel, and I'll say, okay, like, see you later. It's, it's actually not just hearing with your ears, it's understanding it with your mind and considering it in your heart. That's what it means to actually hear the gospel. So I think some people have heard the gospel with their ears, whether it's from you or maybe, you know, brought them to church or something like that, but has it been explained to them in such a way that they can actually consider it and understand it? And this is a, a fancy word for this. Um, we use the word contextualization. Can, is, the, is the gospel speaking into their life? The way that you explain the gospel to a five-year-old is going to be different than explaining it to a 50-year-old. They might hear the same gospel, right? But will they understand it on two different levels? And so it's important for us as we seek to share that we know this, this message is meant for everyone, but we need to be unique in the way that we talk to people about it. You know, maybe someone grew up in Eugene locally. The way that you share with them is someone who grew up in Central America or their family is from there. Very, very different backgrounds, very different uh, cultural beliefs, all of those things. So my point here is that the... Paul is making is the gospel is available to everyone, but how, how can they hear it? Are we explaining it to them where they can hear it and understand it? And Paul says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? So one of the definitions of the word preaching, again, word in the Greek is to proclaim ultimately something which has been done. So many times we think of preacher as me or Rick or someone standing up on stage and preaching out to other people. But based on this definition, if you are a Christian, believe in the message of Jesus and received it, you are a preacher and identified as a preacher, one who can proclaim something that has already been done. It's not just my job or Rick's job. It is our job as believers. And so Paul says, how can they hear without someone proclaiming what has already been done? I love that he used that word, proclaiming what has been done. And so how Paul is saying, how can people hear this and understand it if no one tells them? If there's no one in their life to tell them about this message, how can they know it? Just like you, someone explained it, laid it out for you, how can they hear it, understand it, if no one shares with them? And who best to tell them than the people who have seen, right, seen what has already been done and know what Jesus has done than you? There's no one better to share the gospel message than the person who has been transformed and their life has been changed by the gospel. You are the most equipped, ready person to share that message with someone else um, that, that haven't heard it. And so uh, I do want to just take a moment in my time with working uh, with young adults, I have actually found three of the biggest reasons why uh, I would say we don't seek to, uh, as believers, share our faith with other people. And these are, I, I mostly work with college students, but I actually think they're true of, of adults as well. Well, college students are adults too. Um, <laughs> but, but I think I find that these three um, 
are, are, are three of the biggest reasons. The number, the first one is that we are not equipped. We don't feel equipped to share the gospel message with other people. We're like, I, I know the gospel. I've heard it my whole life. But if I were to sit across from somebody, I would have no clue what to say. Like, where would I even start? <laughs> and, and we've been around this message our whole life, but we, we would be like, I, I don't know what to say. How do I even get the conversation there in the first place? And so I think we feel very unequipped um, or we don't have the answers to their big questions. We're like, what if they ask this question? I have no clue what to say. Um, but the truth is, and what I would speak into that, is because you know the gospel message, you have seen what it has done, it makes you the most equipped person on the planet. It makes you the most equipped person on the planet. And aside from that, and I'll get to this later, you are also have the Holy Spirit with you. What does it say about the Holy Spirit and who he is? It says he will give you the words to speak. And if you trust that, you are also equipped to go into those things. Can you learn skills and questions to ask? Sure. If you want to know more about that, please come ask me. It's like what I love to do. But the point is, is that you are equipped. And I know we can feel like we're not. The second thing is I think we're afraid of rejection. I think plain and simple, we, we don't share our faith out of fear. We're, we're afraid of what people will think of us. We are afraid of how people will respond to the message uh, that we bring to people. And I know, especially, like, I just want to acknowledge, like, in our Pacific Northwest culture, that that's very likely to happen, that someone rejects what you're saying. Or maybe you have experienced that in the past. I know that that can happen. But my encouragement for you is knowing that their eternal salvation, their eternal life with God is definitely worth giving up your fear and stepping into that and being bold and courageous and walking into that even though you're afraid. I'm afraid too, every time that I do it. The third one is, I just think we choose to serve the God of comfort. I think in, in uh, the United States, like kind of like Western culture, um, it's easy to be comfortable with your faith. And, um, and I think it's uncomfortable <laughs> to step out and share your faith because I think people who have uh, shared their faith, and I would say a not very tactful nor kind way have kind of painted a bad picture for a lot of people in sharing their faith. And so it's easier to not share faith. It's easier to, 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 to stand back and, and, and live out our Christian faith, to pray for people. And, that, and those aren't bad things, but I think we don't take the step to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we're just busy. Like we fill our lives with a lot of things, um, a lot of things that we enjoy. And so we don't really have time either uh, to share our faith with people. We're like, dude, I, I barely have time to sit at home and eat dinner, let alone uh, have a conversation with somebody outside of this. And it takes uh, intentional time, right? It's like, we don't walk up to people in, in the grocery line, maybe we do, and say like, hey, do you want to hear the good news about Jesus? Like, we don't normally do that. It takes time to get to know somebody. And a lot of us, time is something we don't have, <laughs> uh, many of us, um, because we are living our lives in ways that, that, that serve us, right? or we don't have people to tell in our lives. And so I recognize it's really difficult in COVID, um, even in just like on campus, like trying to meet new people and, and, and share this with people has been one of the most difficult things um, in my work career so far. So I understand like meeting new people, like it, it's uncomfortable to talk to people uh, regardless, but, but to seek them out is hard during COVID. And so I just want to acknowledge that. But I think 
it's time that we surrender our like idol of comfort and things that are easy for us to step towards people and to share something that they may have never heard before. Like, I think it's time that we do that. I struggle with that too. <laughs> it's, it's not just, you know, people in the room, it's me as well. So one last thing, notice that Paul says the word preach. Um, it's an act of communicating to someone what has already been done, right? It's a communication to preach, to proclaim. So I've heard a lot of people uh, in church or, or those who um, would say that they're a follower of Jesus say that I just try to live my life as communication of the gospel to people. The, the way that I live my life is going to be a demonstration of the gospel. Now, I don't think that that is a bad thing, but I will say that most people, because I came from a non-Christian background, so I will say I had no clue, like in high school, who is a Christian, those who are like living their lives um, for the sake of the gospel. I I had no idea. So most people, I would say, don't know why you're living your life the way that you are. And so you might just be someone who's a good person who's like demonstrating, hey, this is what it's like to, you know, live a holy, righteous life. So you see, people need both. Like they need someone they can look to and see, oh, they are living their life differently but I also need someone to explain to me why, why that is. So there's a communication piece, and then there's also that. So I just wanted to address that to you, is you need both. You don't just need one or the other. If we're all talk, we're all talk, and our lives don't reflect what we're saying, that's not good either. It's like you, you see that you need um, both of those together. Paul keeps going and says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Remember, rhetorical question, right? So he already has the answer. Uh, we, we should know the answer. We're like, well, they can't preach unless they're sent. Uh, I also think that there's an underlying uh, truth here that Paul's getting at is that we are all sent. Those who have believed and confessed, just like he said in verse 9, are sent. They're, they're sent out to share this message, proclaim this message to wherever they're at. And so my question for you this morning is, where has God sent you? Where has he placed you? I see a lot of good-looking, fit people in this room, so I would imagine those aren't just made, right? (laughs) You probably go to the gym and work on that. And so has God placed you in a gym and a place where there are people around you that you see going to work out with you the same time every single morning that you could seek to uh, get to know and someday uh, share what you believe with them? Um, he has put you in your specific family uh, for a reason. Are there people in your family who might not uh, identify as, as a, a believer in Jesus? I know that's where he has placed myself um, at the moment is, is he has placed you in your family. Um, maybe it's your school or the classes that you're taking. Um, if you have kids, uh, if your kids are involved in sports, I don't know if sports are still really like going on right now, but are there people that your kids are playing sports with that you could get to know? God has placed you in these specific places for a reason because you get to be around all of those in the class. It's not just for you. And so I know that that's hard to hear sometimes. It's like the, the world isn't revolved around you. It's it's like, I feel like that's a mean thing to say. So I'm sorry, but he has placed people around you for the sake of of you getting to know them, to be a light to them, to be around them. Maybe it's your neighborhood or your grocery store that you shop at every single week as we are sent to be missionaries, not just those going overseas. We are sent to be missionaries into those places. And so there are people in your spheres 
that have not heard the gospel. There are people in your spheres who have not heard the gospel or they haven't understood it fully. I love on campus asking the question, how would you define Christianity to students? And 95% of the time they say it's, it's following all of Jesus's commands. It's following all the commands of the Bible. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And so what you see there is like they, they are missing a whole difference, like the, the, the heart of the gospel. So maybe they can articulate what the little they, they might know about the gospel, but they haven't understood it fully. So maybe God has placed them in your life to help them understand a fuller picture of the gospel so they can respond to it. And another thing I want to say is that um, you are sent in the context of community. It's one of the most terrifying things to share your faith with somebody, but to do it alone is just horrifying. And so know that you are sent in the context of community. You're not being sent alone. You have others beside you. You have your church family. Uh, you have people in your GC group. Uh, you have your friends to talk about these things with and invite people uh, to pray for those who are close in your life. And most importantly, and I think that this is the biggest one, is you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us he will be with us to the end of the age, and he does that through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, if you want to read that at some point, he says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. You are not being sent alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you, and that is the most comforting thing I know of in terms of community. And so uh, Paul goes on to say, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So messengers uh, at this time period were seen to have beautiful feet. Like if they were bringing a good news, whether it was about war or about something else, they're like, you have beautiful feet because you have brought a message to us. Without you, without those feet, we would not have received this message. And so um, this can make some people uncomfortable. I know it, it makes me uncomfortable. Do you know that being a believer, knowing Jesus, do you know just that fact alone that you are a blessing to those around you? Do you believe that you are a blessing to people around you just based off of your relationship with God? And if you're like me, I'm like, you have no idea like, what I did this week. You don't know how much I've, I've failed this week. There's no way I'm a blessing to people around you. Yeah, if we, if we based it off of your merits or your work, I would come to the same conclusion. But God says it's not based on that. It's based on your relationship with Jesus. You are a blessing, and the fact that you have the gospel message inside of you means that you have beautiful feet. Not because you're good enough or doing the right things, but solely because you know Jesus. And so the question is, what will you do with those feet, right? God has always been about blessing people so that they can be a blessing to someone else. This is not new. Uh, he has been doing this throughout time. We talked about Abraham. He blesses Abraham so that he could be a blessing to the nations. It wasn't just, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that, you, you know, your family and you, are, you're all set. It's like, no, I'm blessing you so that other people and generations are blessed. He does the same thing with David. If you go and look at his conversations with David, he's blessing David so that he can be a blessing to those around him. And we're no different. He's been doing the same thing. We have the same God. And so church family, God has blessed you with the gospel. You're here 
and you are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. He has blessed you with the gospel, not to keep it to yourself, but so that you can be a blessing to um, others by sharing that message with them. That's why Jesus commissions his followers before he ascends to heaven. His followers are to be a blessing, have beautiful feet, and take the good news to people. Jesus didn't say, okay, like I'm going up. You guys like enjoy your time. He's like, no, we have a mission. We have something to do. I have blessed you with this, and I want you to take it to other people. And it's the most loving thing you can do for someone is to share the good news, right? Uh, a side thing. Um, so we're like new parents, right? And so we found a class uh, on online and on Instagram that's like sleep training class. Uh, it's, ta- it's called Taking Care of Babies, Your Welcome Care. Hopefully you get lots of business from this. But we took this class, and uh, it's about sleep training your child. We had a lot of stress about not getting sleep. But through taking this class, our daughter started sleeping through the night at like six weeks old. Great news, right? Great news for us, great news for her. Uh, and what do we do with that? We want to share with everybody. I just shared it with you, but everyone we talk to is like going to be a new parent. We're like, you got to take this class. Because it's the most loving thing we do. I'm like, I want you to get sleep. I want your baby to get sleep. And I think it'll just be a great thing for you, right? So I share with everybody. And so, and going even deeper, if you had the cure for cancer, right? If you had the cure for cancer, the most loving thing you could do is share with other people. We, we wouldn't want to keep something like that to ourselves if we knew that it could benefit and help thousands, you know, if not millions of people. But we have something even greater than a cure for cancer or sleeping babies, right? We, we have the cure for broken hearts. We have, we have the cure for spiritual death, the cure for not just physical life, but our spiritual life. So why do we tend to keep that to ourselves when we wouldn't do the other things? So I pray that we as a church, that we have this great love for those people around us and take this message to them. You have beautiful feet, (laughs) it's funny to say, uh, and God has empowered you to take the good news to people around you. And that's our mission at GCC, is to be on mission and share the good news throughout Eugene. And Paul ends this letter in kind of a sad, sad note. He says, not all will come to faith in Jesus. He's quoting Isaiah, he's like, who, who has heard this and not believed? We, not everyone will receive this message, and we need to know that. And that is not a failure on your end or something you didn't explain right. Jesus talks about a parable of, of seeds. As you sow seeds, some grow up and spring up and die. Some get eaten by birds. Some fall upon the rocks, but some fall in good soil. You have no control over that. But we can be faithful to taking that message to people who haven't heard it. So uh, I like to do application points. Uh, I know some people, yeah, feel differently about it, um, but I'm going to give you two. Uh, The first is I would love uh, to, as a church family, if we could think of one person in your life who doesn't follow Jesus, or maybe you don't know where they're at spiritually, and ask them a spiritual question this week. A simple way to do that is just to ask them, Hey, did you have any spiritual background growing up? And I know that that's scary. Uh, But the truth is, is that everyone is on a spiritual journey. They're either walking towards God, they're walking away from him, or they're at like a stalemate and a standstill. But everyone is on a spiritual journey of some sort. But oftentimes we can be like, hey, that person's living their life this way. There's no way they're on a spiritual journey, but they are. You just have no clue what the background is or, or why. 
And the best part is, is we get to enter into that. I think that's what we're called to is journey with people in their, their faith journey, wherever it is that they're at, their spiritual journey. And I get that it's scary, um, but if you aren't the one pursuing them, who will do that? God has placed you in, the, in, in their life. If you don't do it, who will? And so God has placed that person in your life for a reason. You get to journey alongside of them. By the way, you can come talk to me about any of this. Like, I love to, to talk about this. It's a big part of my story. So if you're like, dude, I want to do that really bad. I have no clue how to start. Please come talk to me. I love helping people. Um, and so if that is something you're interested in. And the second thing is this. If throughout this conversation, you're like, man, I just don't know if I have someone in my life that I could talk to. I don't know if, as I look around, if I can think of somebody. Well, I think an application point is to see yourself as sent, to get involved in places or areas that you get to know people where you don't know their spiritual journey or where they're at. And so maybe for you, a a very practical way to implement this is to see yourself having beautiful feet and to step into areas um, that you, you might get to meet new people and not know what they believe. Uh, I'm going to close by sharing my story with you. Some of you have heard it uh, a little bit uh, here and there, um, but I think it really applies um, to what we're talking about here. As many of you know, I grew up in a, I would say, faithless home. Like I think my parents would mention God's name every now and then, whether it was a swear word or, you know, it was like, God, this. And I was like, I don't know who God is. So I grew up in a, in a place where I, I didn't know anything about Jesus other than from my history book. And um, that all changed when I was in high school. I worked at Albertsons as a, uh, we called ourselves uh, courtesy clerks, uh, fancy word for bag boy, you know, or cart pusher in her. Um, and so that, that was my high school job. And I'm, I'm pushing in carts uh, and my, my, my friend at the time, we had grown up together, um, but Jesus had entered into his life, and I started to see his life changed. Now, we would push in carts, and he'd always go, hey, can I go help Jake? Can Jake and I go and push carts together? And I was like, well, we're not supposed to do that, but sure, let's go. Um, and every day that we were pushing in carts together, he would say, hey, like, what do you think, what do you think about God? Have you ever thought about him before? And I was like, no, I actually haven't. Um, I've never thought about God. Tell me about him. And so through the course of a couple years, he starts explaining to me, I have all these questions because I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about, blood and, and a lamb. Like, I don't, I don't understand all of these things. And it came to a point where I was like, hey, that's, that sounds cool, but I don't really need that, Eddie. I'm, I'm grateful that you shared with me. But the truth is, is on the inside, um, I was drowning in depression and alcoholism and being strangled by the need of acceptance and approval from people around me. And uh, I'm so grateful because we, we graduated high school. Like, I'm good, Eddie. I tried this Christian thing. I went to church a few times. It's not for me. Uh, I really don't think that's something I want to step into. Well, come to find out, we go to college together. And guess who is my roommates uh, at college? It's, it's Eddie. And being his roommates, I saw things that I never got to see in high school. I saw him get up in the morning, read his Bible. I, got, I, I watched him pray before every meal, and it annoyed me. Like, it, it annoyed me. I was like, why are you praying? Like, it's, the food doesn't change, like, based on 
whether you pray or not. It's like, I'm like, Eddie, I, I don't understand why you're doing this. You are living a different life than the one I am. And, and I know why I was so annoyed. It was because this guy lived with a peace that no one else in college lived with, in my experience. I, I would drink so much alcohol to try to get rid of shame, to get rid of guilt, to get rid of things that I didn't know how to feel. It's like I was feeling all this. I sound like a, an emotional wreck, and I was. Um, I didn't know how to do this. And then I, I came home to this roommate all the time, and he was just like, yeah, I have peace, and I have joy. And it annoyed me because I wanted it. And finally, I was like, Eddie, why are you doing these things? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And finally, he shared with me what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. He says, I do it because I'm, I'm saved by Jesus. I know that when I lay my head on the pillow every night, that I have a relationship with Jesus, and he is there with me. And he did all this. He, he did all this talking. I didn't, I didn't come to know Jesus right then and there, but he, he did all this with me spitting in his face. I remember coming home uh, slightly drunk, if not really drunk, and he'd be watching like a sermon on his computer. I'm like, that's the stupidest. Like, why would you spend your Friday nights doing that? And I would just go and indulge myself on whatever I feel like I, I would want to do and constantly telling him no. He would ask me every week, hey, do you want to come to this Bible study with crew? Uh, <laughs> every Sunday, and I'd be like, no, thank you. Nope. No, every Sunday he would ask me. Most people, I feel like, would just be like, this guy's like, he has no interest in Jesus. I'm going to stop. But he never did. He never did. He continued to read his Bible around me. He continued to pray around me. He continued to invite me to things. And one day, I sat up in my bunk bed crying, and I was like, I need what he has. I finally need what he has. And I'm forever grateful for this man. I actually called him on my way here this morning uh, just to say thank you again uh, for being bold and courageous, for taking the message that had transformed him and giving it to me. He didn't quit on me. God had placed me in his life, right? And, and Eddie thankfully said, God, I'm going to love this guy every day, and I'm going to tell him about you. And that act of love saved my life both literally, I, I believe Jesus saved my life, but I fully believe God used him and his beautiful feet to take the message uh, of the gospel to me. So I get to say I'm, I'm, I'm standing here today uh, because someone was willing to see themselves as being sent and take the gospel to me at Albertsons in the parking lot, pushing in carts, in a college dorm room, in the places that we were in. And so my question for you is, will you be that person? Will you be the people that have, um, yeah, the compassion, the love to take the gospel message to the people around you? You never know, like, who that person might be. Uh, you might have a Jake Clausen right in front of you. I mean, not, nothing special, but you might have someone who is one day going to trust um, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, uh, I do, I want to thank you for Eddie. I want to thank you for his love for me, his courage to um, walk through his fear to talk to me. God, I thank you for your word. Um, thank you for Paul's letter to the Romans to share with us, yeah, who we are as we have been transformed by this gospel and called 
to share it and take it um, to others. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a passion and a desire to do so. Knowing that it won't save us, but Lord, we do it out of what you have already done in us. In Jesus' name, amen.